welcome to IntelliCast. Um, my name is Brian Lamar. Thank you for listening and joining me today is producer Brian. Hello, Brian. Hey, how are you? Great. And also, we have a special guest today. That is, this is Kim Harrison. Um, hey, Kim. Hey, great to be talking to you guys today. Yeah, thanks for joining. Kim is the founder and CEO of Focus Forward and, and FF Transcription. And um, we're going to talk to her about what she does in terms of qualitative and her background. Um, but first, this episode brought to you by EMI Research Solutions. You can reach us at IntelliCast at EMI-RS.com. You can follow us on Twitter, EMI underscore research or IntelliCast1. And you can leave us a voicemail or text at 513-401-5463. Whew, that's a lot. So, Kim, how's it going? We were just talking a second ago about the big, what did you call it, the snowstorm, the big snowstorm? It was called the monster storm. <laughs> the monster storm. Okay. Um, you're in Philadelphia getting hit pretty hard. We're getting pr- hit pretty hard in Cincinnati, but nothing compared to what you're going through. Um, on top of, you know, it's been a rough year for everybody. And then you throw 25 inches of snow on top of it. That's no fun, right? Not unless you're eight years old, it's not. <laughs> right, exactly. So you're the founder and CEO of Focus Forward. How long is, when did you start that company? Maybe let's start there. I started Focus Forward in 2003. So we are in, um, in our 18th year. We'll hit our 18th birthday in August. So I'm super excited about that. That's congratulations. That's awesome for a small business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so 2003, and it was kind of a little bit of a different world there, although online was starting to emerge, but it's a, very different in 2003 than now, right? Absolutely. Back in 2003, um, a Significant portion of what we did was for focus group facilities, mainly in the Manhattan area and the major markets. And believe it or not, in New York City, they would courier the screeners to us numbered. And we'd have to erase the answers if they were incorrect for the particular project. And at the end, we'd have to courier the screeners back to the facility. So just an enormous amount has changed. Couriers, like like bike messenger type people, but in That's 2003. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah. A little bit, things have changed just somewhat since then. <laughs> where, where all were you um, doing research back then? Well, back then I was located in New York City. Okay. And so uh, the facilities would send them to 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 the Upper West Side. You would use them. They would come printed. They weren't emailed to you. Uh, you only had what they sent you, and then those completed screeners would need to be back before the groups. Yeah, wow, it's a different world. Um, and then at some point, you end up in Philadelphia, right? Yep, about um, a year and a half into it, um, it became clear that we needed an office space and more ability to collaborate in person. So we opened up an office in Philadelphia, in the suburbs of Philadelphia, which gave us the square feet and the opportunity to grow. At that point, our research, the companies that we were working for had expanded well beyond the New York area. Our clients, although we picked many of them up in New York, were clearly doing research in many, many markets, and we were supplying the respondents for all those markets. We were also transcribing for all the focus groups, so we needed more space for that. And we added on the incentive processing unit. And along the way there, we had taken all of our database and made them into a small panel that could be sent surveys to as well. And that's back before there was marketplaces. And there were actually companies out there that worked as integrators of tiny panels um, and put them all together. So 
you know, we're going back what feels like to the dinosaur age, but we did things that way. Very manual. Yeah. I remember I used to do a lot of qualitative my time. So I've been to a lot of interesting qualitative facilities and I, I miss in-person qualitative research so much. I can't tell you. And it's not just because of the good meals and the good service at the facilities. <laughs> listening to people talk about the stuff that we do online for Quant, it's so anonymous. Um, and I remember, oh gosh, what was I going to say? That we used to, like, we used to have literally, I would go home on a plane with VHS tapes. You probably sent clients home with VHS tapes, right? And then yes. your transcriptions, oh gosh, it would take a week or so, right? Oh, yeah. A week was standard turnaround. So when we started transcripts, the facilities would ship the tapes, to be honest, my mom and dad's house. And we (laughs) had all local transcribers because there was no digital way. So we could only hire them in the Wilkes-Barre Scranton area where my parents are from. And my dad would drive a route and drop the tapes off in transcribers boxes. And then there'd be a route to pick the tapes back up. We would have a boxing center because we'd be boxing them to be shipped back to the facility and sending a transcript back. I mean, seven day was standard turnaround for that. It was extremely difficult to do it faster. When we got an office and we were able to, and audio files started to emerge, we actually had an entire room of my office that had nothing other than tape decks. You would put the tape in it, hit play. And it took real time to have it digitized, which we would do in my office that therefore allowed us to hire transcribers nationwide because we would have that wave file that they could then access. But we had to create it from our space. That shaved a couple days off. Now we have a fully secure uh, TOPS system that's HIPAA compliant, among a number of other things, where you simply drag and drop your file into your account. It's to do very expedited. It's split among many transcribers. It's put together in a file and one Q&A-er makes sure that it's perfect all the way through. And sometimes people are uncomfortable because they think, you know, there's more than one person typing my file. How can it look and feel the same? But it does. Because if you think about it, when you had 10 focus groups, that same person didn't type all 10. There were 10 different transcribers. And yet, you know, our job is to make all of your files you know, clearly be the product of Focus Forward without any um, without any individuality for the transcriber. It's just our product that comes out unit after unit the same. So how long, what is the turnaround now for like transcriptions? Our standard turnaround is 24 to 48 hours. You'll have it in less than 48. And that's for a two hour file. Yep. Um, you can have... One hour files, 24 to 36 hours. But in reality, you can have it as fast as you want it with a premium. So our human transcripts can be as fast as four hours. For that, we need some uh, heads up time. And it's quite expensive. Um, In the next 30 days, we're rolling out a massive program where you're going to be able to do AI transcripts. The quality is going to be that of AI. is not the same as human. But you can, you'll be able to choose this very low cost AI transcript, which will come out in less than an hour. And then if you feel like it's the AI because of background noise or crosstalk, 
for whatever reason you need a, a professional grade for your report at the end, you can press the button to upgrade to human. And the amount that you paid for the AI is credited to your human. You'll have your human in about 36 hours. That's that's amazing, the um, innovation. And, you know, I've seen on Zoom calls now that you can turn on, I guess it's an AI transcription that you can can utilize. And it's not super accurate, but for some people, it might be accurate enough, right? It might get 80% of the way there without the human being. Um, that's fascinating. Yes, the answer is it depends. And that's why I'm always talking to people. If you're a moderator and um, you have a budget and you can only spend it on certain things, you might be able to work from AI for on Zoom or, or other places. And that's all you need for your report. Yep. If you're a blue chip company and things are done a certain way and exact transcripts of the report need to be submitted because of this is a multi-million dollar game changing project, then you're probably ultimately choosing human. Yep. So it, it depends on what kind of client you are, who you're working for, what the expectations are, what the reporting requirements are. We also have a lot of human in the legal, medical, other spaces that just can't be as flexible with errors. Yes. Okay, so you do a lot more than just transcriptions, though. I'm assuming uh, we kind of went backwards here. What all What all types of qualitative research do you you kind of within the past few years? What is your core competency? I mean, Focus Forward supports U.S. and global field teams and researchers with U.S. qualitative recruitment to virtual places and uh, in person places as well. You know, we provide the best-in-class transcripts and, and a variety of speech-to-text solutions. We also do rapid incentive processing. We have a proprietary online panel, survey programming, and open encoding. We're our, really an end-to-end respondent solution. So we're, when you want your one touch point with all of your respondents, whether it's an IHUD or any type of project from recruitment to the incentive payment and everything in between, that's where we really provide our clients the highest value. Okay. Let's go back like a year. And man, I can't say this much longer, but a year ago when world was just starting to think about the crazy changes that we've gone through, what, what percentage of your work was kind of virtual versus in person? Because we don't have a focus group facility and we're a nationwide recruiter, we would be slanted more towards virtual, but I was including um, TDIs. We did a lot of ranging TDIs. Still, though, it would be approximately 65% virtual, 35% in-person. For okay. us, it's not as much in-person to a focus group facility unless the focus group facility calls us to help them, which we do. Our database is nationwide, so there's no concentration in any one particular market. We're constantly trying to attract census-balanced populations for the projects. Um, given that, we don't do a lot for a facility at a specific place in one market, but ethnographies, um, going to even sometimes working from lists that were purchased uh, where we'd have 100 people go to a Burger King, meet the moderator, or, right. or some other type of fast food place meet the moderator, um, get in the car, drive through and give their their feedback. We placed cameras in people's homes. We did a lot of in-person research that wasn't your typical group. Again, yeah. also the groups 
mostly mock juries. We work for a lot of mock jury companies who are not using focus group facilities, but are using jury centers, their own law firms, or different spaces where they're going to be replicating the jury. Okay. I, um, I don't, know if, I don't know if Brian knows this, but I snuck into a mock jury a couple of years ago. Um, it was at an attorney's office just to see what I was all about. It was fascinating. I loved it. <laughs> it's another story. But so you, I feel like you're pretty, you were pretty well prepared for the most part for the change of the world that happened about a year ago, right? We were definitely prepared in the type of work that we did. Where we were unprepared is that as a 17-year-old company, we have a call center outside of Philadelphia with cubes. So our project managers and our recruiters came into our physical call center, which would be similar to a call center at one of the major facility chains. There are a lot of cubes. There are a lot of people. Our population um, of people who like to have a call center like that job tended to be younger people, retired people. You know, we have a lot of corporate events, parties, lunches. You know, it's kind of fun to work in our call center. So some people would work 12 hours a week just to continue that socialization later in life. So we were shut down as non-essential, which gave us no access to our building for months. Um, And we needed to set up that call center remotely. And so that was that I would say was the major hurdle that we had to uh, we had to cross, and uh, we had about four days' notice. But I oh have amazing IT team: Dave Pataki, who runs our operations, and Chris G, who works directly underneath them, as well as our outsourced IT, work tirelessly from Friday through Tuesday, practically 27, 24 hours a day. And uh, we were up and running with a remote call center on on Tuesday. So that was a Herculean feat and a success. Yeah, we, we just spoke to um, our previous podcast last week um, with someone that also has a phone center. And he said um, it was by far the most challenging thing that he had to do was to figure out how to take a call center from um, in person to remote. And it, it took a long time. So the fact that you did it in four days is pretty impressive. Um, given we did it in four days. That's, that's yes. incredibly challenging. Um, you know, we have and have always had uh, around three to 600 transcribers working from home. Now yeah. they, they only work, they choose what they want to work. Pieces <clears throat> of audio goes into their account. We, about 250 work in any half a month. So modeling off of that, um, successful business helped us move this along really quickly. Also, Dave and I were at Quirks that week. And yeah. as the speakers were being canceled, we started seeing it coming down the line. Yeah. And so, you know, we did have an extra couple of days of planning. In the end, we're a pretty technologically savvy company. We create our own proprietary platforms as well as use platforms like Decipher Otherwise and integrate them in. We are a tech firm, ultimately. Um, and so that whole tech team was focused on that solution. And uh, and yeah, it was fast, um, but we're far from old school, so so we got this. Yeah, like I, I feel like 
you call yourself a tech company, and I agree from what you've said, and you still have the roots, I think, of more traditional marketing research, given how long you've been around. So I'm really impressed with that because, you know, a lot of new companies have come out online only, and but you have, you can do all kinds of fun, like the things you're talking about with putting cameras in people's homes and ethnographies and shop alongs, um, a lot of really challenging research that you don't think about. Um, I'm, I'm just really impressed with what you guys are doing. Yeah, we're really proud of the work we've done with Big Sofa Technology. Um, they do complete immersions in people's houses where a camera's installed for a long time. And they have taken that ethnography to another level. And we work with them to get the right people for that. Yeah. Um, I'm doing some groundbreaking work there. And that's kind of really driven driven that space for us. But you are correct. I started when uh, pieces of paper were couriered. So there definitely is an advantage in doing every single thing by hand, pencil and paper, um, because you understand the underpinnings and the roots of it and how it was done manually. And then you can use technology to do those manual processes and keep um, accuracy, client satisfaction, increase speed, reduce cost, and just make it better, but it still feel like the type of experience that people in research have had for the last 20, 30 years. Right. So what's what's going on now? Or is has a lot of the face-to-face kind of stuff, is that, has that come back yet? Or is it just all shifted? Is it kind of a hybrid? Like, what where's it going right now? Face-to-face is definitely happening. It's absolutely happening. You know, it depends on the city. It depends on the market and clients' needs and how comfortable they are. The one shift is that because of room sizes and other types of things, you know, there's, it's just fewer participants or it's got to extend if you want the same number of participants over a larger number of days. Um, The recruitment, we've had to take out some of that, those electronic recruiting support methods that we did for the face-to-face and have go back to our roots of really just talking to the respondent. Um, where we can use a lot of electronic support to recruit people to an online focus group, that personal connection with someone in our office about what's going to happen in that face-to-face research, it is just critical to the success of the project. Well, awesome. Um, it's been it's been great learning more about, I didn't know a whole lot about Focus Forward since we're doing so much quant, but I'm really impressed with how you all pivoted so quickly and um, have innovated during this time period. So I really appreciate you joining. Um, how can people reach you? I'm, I'm assuming on LinkedIn or, or otherwise? You can reach me on LinkedIn. I'm, we actually just put up a new website last week, which reflects all of the changes and things that we're doing um, in in the industry since February of last year. Um, easy contact information through there. I'm Kim at focusfwd.com. Um, Yes, any platform, anyway. I'm always happy to talk to somebody about research. Well, Kim, thank you so much for joining. It was nice having you on the on the podcast, and hopefully, you'll fall out soon, right? Yep. Thank you. It was great talking to to you guys, and uh, have a have a wonderful weekend. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.